and welcome back to the fire mark it is thursday thursday september 22nd 2022 i'm your host alex berg joined again by it's alan everybody hello it's alan everybody Kermit and Miss Piggy and uh, how many? How many voice? You do a bunch of voices. Or whatever. I, you know, I haven't counted all of them, but uh, I've got a few. You got a few. Not as maybe not as much as Frank Walker, but we'll get no. into that later in a later segment. <laughs> anyway, we're back on the fire mark. We are reminder we're still live on iTunes, Spotify, Listen Notes, Anchor.fm, and Google Podcasts. So please go follow and subscribe. You can also follow the Facebook page, the Fire Mark on Facebook. And we have, uh, we're still growing and uh, everything's going great. So um, thank you guys for your support. Uh, as you're aware, we do trivia. We have a question at the end of each segment. We will be bypassing the trivia uh, on this day. I know, Alan, it's always an Alan episode. We don't do trivia. It's just <laughs> it's just because there's a lot of stuff going on. I'm actually still working on uh, putting out uh, the last podcast, which was recorded on September 11th. So um, I that's a, that's a big one. That was a big $200 um, Target gift card with some hard trivia questions. So I want to give people a little bit more time to get the answer for that one. So anyway, we'll jump right into our uh, current events segment. I guess the biggest news this week, I mean, there's so much news going on all the time, but one of the biggest things I saw is uh, everybody's up in arms about DeSantis and these uh, 50 migrants that <clears throat> he, uh, I guess, shipped from, I guess they crossed the border in Texas, and then they he flew them up to Martha's Vineyard and and everybody was upset and uh, up in arms, and the left is like demonizing him for human trafficking and kidnapping and of all of this stuff. And you know, my my take on it is this: is like th- this is just another stunt. I mean, I don't know if it's a stunt to to pump up the Republican base or whatever it is. It's it's just nonsense. It just didn't need to be done. I mean, I understand what he's doing, but you weren't the first to do this. Like Abbott is the one that put the people on the buses and started sending them to Chicago and D.C. Um, I mean, it feels like like you're trying to just overshadow by putting them at Martha's Vineyard or or trying to get media attention on this. I I don't know. Um, I don't like that illegals are crossing the border. I don't like that the border's wide open. Of course, nobody really should. Um, but you know, Biden was moving immigrants, uh, in the dead of night to all sorts of places too. So the left can hardly accuse the right of all of this stuff, in my opinion. And, and this kidnapping nonsense is ridiculous. Like these people are illegals. Like, so if, if, if somebody robbed a bank and I took them to jail, am I kidnapping them? Like they're doing something illegal and you're moving them somewhere against their will. That's what you're, you're committing a crime. You're not supposed to be in this country to begin with. If you deported them, are you kidnapping them? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. What's your take? Um, yeah, pretty much to what you're saying. Um, you know, one thing to recognize is, yes, these are human beings. Um, they're not, they shouldn't be used as political pawns. And you could argue that both sides, uh, to some degree, are just using them to be right in their respective uh, arguments. I I will say this, now that they're there, I mean, goodness, we're historically low unemployment. Give them jobs. If you're a sanctuary right. city, just give them jobs. We know there's help wanted signs everywhere. J- give, give these people what they're looking for, sure. which is employment. That's right. why they, you know, illegally immigrated to this country, but that's what they did. Give them, give them something to do 
uh, you're shorthanded. Everyone's shorthanded. Everywhere I look is I'm, I'm trying to hire people for stuff and I can't find people. Wow. It's, it's really hard to find people that are available to work. So if someone's coming to this country to look for work, where's the problem? Right. If they're not committing crimes, just give them the GD job right. already. I'm just so sick of the, you know, the, the, the argument used to be, we don't have enough, they, they took our jobs and they, we don't have enough jobs to give around. We have the jobs now. So right. just put them to work. I don't get the problem right now arguing that there's no room for people. We have tons of room for people, you know, and, and if it's a temporary basis, fine. But as of right now, there's employers that are toppling over themselves to hire people. So just, you know, give them a temporary visa. If they don't qualify or if they, they F up and they commit a crime, then they're gone. But for now, just just give them some work and then pay them to do so. And, and you bring up a very good point and that I didn't think of before is the fact that this should be your angle. It drives me crazy that like what that left's angle is going to be is, uh, oh, I can't believe DeSantis did that and the human rights violations and all of this stuff. Why not do something positive with this? This happened. Give them the jobs like you said and be like, look at the right. They're doing all this horrible stuff and look what we did. We took in these migrants and we gave them jobs and now they have the the ability to go ahead and feed themselves and have a better life from where they came from. This is what the left does for you. So now I want to earn your vote. Mm -hmm. That would be an amazing campaign speech. Not bashing the other side for what they're doing wrong. Mm -hmm. I mean, this brings up exactly what Jeremy said. Neither party has given anybody a reason to vote for them when you do this crap. Yeah. I mean, that's just the bottom line. Mm-hmm. I I don't understand why it's so hard to just pump up your party and 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 not just try to ridicule the other side. It's 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 just absolutely crazy. Like, can you imagine like like uh, like in sports? You know, instead of like trying to work out hard and figure out the best place to do in football, that you're just trying to break down and do the other team. Like like. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard this story. Just to go on a sports tangent, um, I think it was um, University of Georgia. It might have been Auburn versus, like, Cumberland back in the 1890s. Have you ever heard that story? No. All right. So, anyway, so instead of, like, trying to be the best football players they could be, they they just – actually, the football team didn't do this. This is what the students did. So, back then, they had to take trains to get to where they were going because they didn't have cars and buses and planes, obviously. So – they went ahead and they greased the train tracks at the station outside of Auburn when the other football team was coming in. And so the train tried to break and they couldn't break and the train slid two miles past the station. Well, those trains can't back up. So all those football players had to walk in the hot sun two miles back to town. And of course, that was done to go ahead and make them more exhausted so they would lose the football game the next wow. day. Like, oh, is wow. this the strategy you want to have? Or have you ever heard the Lawrence Taylor story? No. You know, hear to Lawrence Taylor? He was a linebacker for the Giants, like an all-star Hall of Famer. The, the one that sacked uh, the Redskins Yes, he's okay. the one that, that, that sacked Joe Theismann and caused the Theismann injury. Correct. Right. So what, what he did, it was a famous story he did. I think it was a big game against the Cowboys or the Eagles or whatever. So he found out the hotel that all the players were staying in the night before, and he went ahead and on his own money, he paid a bunch of prostitutes and hookers to go to the rooms to keep the players up all night so that they would be tired the next day and they would win the football game. Is is that sportsmanlike? Is that the way you want to play things? It's a funny story, right? but you should be just working out extra harder and may the best man win. Mm-hmm. This this 
this like trying to bash the other side that both sides are doing in politics is just it's 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 tiresome. It's yeah. it just really is. I, I don't have any other better word for that. And mm-hmm. you know, we got upcoming elections. Uh, obviously, in November, um, all the elections. We got the Senate races. We got the governor races over here in Florida. We got DeSantis is running for re-election against former governor flip flop to the Democratic Party Charlie Crist. Mm-hmm. Uh, I saw a thing the other day that, that that Crist wanted vaccine passports. He had an interview in 2021 on Good Morning America. You could look it up. Just type that in on a search bar on YouTube, and you could see that he wanted vaccine passports for everybody, and he was using that. I don't even know if he really wanted it, but that's what he said, and then he was using that in order to bash DeSantis and show uh, you know, a position opposite of DeSantis. This is ridiculous. That's segregation. I'm like, how do you, how do you call yourself a liberal when you're supporting segregation? And, I mean, I understand the left's argue it's not segregation because it's protecting society and protecting people. I mean, the bottom line is, you know, if, you, if you're if you on the left and you agree with bodily autonomy, at which I agree with bodily autonomy, and I'd agree that a woman has, has a right to choose a baby, I do not support the right in their uh, pro-life stance, um, then you need to support your autonomy to go ahead and choose whether or not you want to put a vaccine in your body. Uh, you can't have it both ways. And if you don't think it's segregation because a vaccine mandate protects society, it's still segregation. Because think about this. If I use the N-word to call to a black person, I'd be considered racist. But I could also say, oh, I'm not racist. I'm just using vocabulary. And you think it's racist, but it's not really racist. No, it's racist. Okay. And segregating people based on certain qualities is segregation. And, you know, so because... Be that as it may, uh, you know, I don't like some of the things DeSantis has done. And, I mean, right now, like, like going back to Jeremy's thing, neither party even here in Florida has given me a reason to, to vote for them. So, anyway, your thoughts? Um, I, I wouldn't hold too much what someone said one or two years ago. I mean, two years ago, a little over two years ago, I was okay with two weeks to stop the spread. Sure, but like, I get as that. time went on and more data was becoming uh, available, like... That, that the virus was outpacing the vaccine efficacy, et cetera, et cetera. You know, flash forward to today in 2022, if you told me about a vaccine passport for Omicron variant BA2 or subsequent <laughs> variants, I'd be like, you're out of your mind. Like, right. there's no reason for them, especially when Humana is on, on record in one of their recent board meetings. Humana Insurance, one of their representatives said that COVID is now officially as deadly as influenza. So if it's officially as deadly as influenza, we should treat it as de- deadly as influenza. Right. Not like it's the black plague of the 21st century. Right. So um, no, if, if, if someone in 2022, and your example is 2021 with what Chris's quote is, if someone today was saying that sort of stuff, I'd say you're out of your mind. I understand your point, but, you know, I mean, it's hard. I mean, I guess we need to move away from the thing, but it's just a typical narrative that, and with cancel culture and everything like that, anything you say at any time, and I mean, I'm only going back a year, so I don't think that's ludicrous, but I mean, you take something like, you know, what was it, John Gruden on the Raiders, he got fired because of something that he said 10 years ago in an email, and there's other people that get canceled all the time for things. I mean... You know, that go back hundreds and hundreds of years. I mean, you know, we don't have any more Aunt Jemima syrup and Uncle Ben's rice anymore. <laughs> I mean, it's ridiculous already. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I get it. I don't want to talk out of both sides of my mouth. But, I mean, 
I, I'm going to preface uh, the, by saying that Chris just said that, you know, a year ago. It wasn't, like, that long ago, and that was actually de- things that were relevant. But, I mean, yeah, if he said it now, it would be bad, but, I mean... Now, the virus is moving at a much faster rate than, say, racism. Like, it, it, it wasn't okay to call a black person the N-word 20 years ago, you know? And there right. was no such thing as COVID-19 three years ago. Right. So, it's it's a different scale as far as I'm concerned. Sure, sure. If your opinion changes uh, a month to month, I think that's a healthy thing because the data just kept... The, the evidence is mounting and the virus is evolving. And if you're steadfast in your opinion that you had back in 2020, today... Then I'll call you out. I'll say, come on, that's that's some BS. And I'm not saying you particularly. No, 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 I understand. But, like, there are people who reacted differently to COVID-19, the alpha variant, uh, versus the Omicron variant. I'm one of those people. I sure. reacted differently to the alpha variant to what, what we're dealing with today. But there are people that are still treating Omicron like it's alpha or beta. And yeah. it's like, that's asinine. That's insane to me. There's people that are always going to go back. I, I had to go to the hospital the other day. Uh, for a procedure for my son and you know you still have to wear masks all through the hospital yeah. I don't foresee a situation where that's ever going to even change Yeah. you know and I mean it's kind of kind of ridiculous like I, I was worried about my son it was a procedure all of this stuff was going on not to get so personal but um, you know they, they, they handed me a mask and, and I was just like oh, whatever so I just threw it on I wasn't paying attention because I had paperwork to sign and and the lady was just like, oh, you know, you're 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 wearing that backwards, and I'm like, so if I wore it the other way, would that still help? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, we're not wearing N95s here. You're handing me a paper mask, which we know does nothing. Mm. So I mean, this is all just theater. No matter which way, I could hang it on top of my head at this point. But you know, whatever. That's an old story. So, but yeah, I agree with you. What, what would be interesting to see, you know, if I were DeSantis and there was going to be some debate between DeSantis and Chris, I would call him out on be like, I'm like, you know. Uh, a year ago, you said that you wanted vaccine passports. Do you still feel that way? Do you sure. f- would you feel that way if we had another variant of COVID that was just as deadly? Would you want more vaccines and more vaccine var- uh, uh, mandates mm-hmm. and vaccine passports? So it'd be interesting because if he keeps the same stance, then you know that's very telling. So, yeah. um, and since the last podcast, I think Queen Elizabeth passed away. That's been big news. Um, you know, it's crazy. Like, our whole lifetimes, we've only known the one monarch. But, you know, it doesn't really affect our country. So, uh, a lot of pomp and circumstance. Uh, she was 96, had a good life. I don't know. I didn't really follow it any too much more than that. Um, pers- I don't have personal feel. I mean, some people take the royal family very personally. Sure. I don't. I mean, not only am I an American citizen, but I, I, I'm not in love with all the pageantry. But I will respect the historical significance. So she's been queen for 60 years or over 60 years? How long has it been? I think it was almost 70. So about 70 years, which is a big chunk of history. She's been on their currency for that whole time. Right. Which is crazy to think about it. So like that's like the length of about our our parents' lifetimes. Sure. Um, And so now it's King Charles, who we grew up with knowing as Prince Charles Charles and Diana, like that whole thing in the 80s and 90s, and it's, um, yeah, there's there's historical significance. I mean, if you read any sort of history, modern day history or the founding of this country, we're dealing with English monarchy that whole time. So when monarchy, when the crown changes hands, heads, whatever you call it, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's significant. So I, I appreciate the significance. Sure, absolutely. And, um, 
so moving on from from that, sort of touching on it too. So I was uh, very blessed this past weekend to be selected for what was called Honor Flight. So Honor Flight is a thing they do around the country where they take veterans um, from the United States uh, wars, World War II, Korea, Vietnam. There's not too many World War II vets left. Um, and we fly them up to Washington, D.C., and we do a whole day in Washington, D.C. We go to the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier, watch the changing of the guard. We go to the Iwo Jima Memorial. We went to the... Uh, uh, Women's History Museum um, in the service, the Air Force Memorial, and then we go to the National Mall where you have the Washington Monument, the Lincoln Memorial, Vietnam War Memorial, the Korean Memorial, the World War II Memorial, that kind of thing. So we chaperone these veterans around and, uh, you know, hear their stories, and then we fly back. It's a, it's a whole long day. Um, it was a full 22 hours, so it was, a, it was a big trip. I've done it before, and I mean, it's it's just a fantastic uh, trip to to meet these veterans and and hear their stories. And very blessed to meet this man named John Cheney, who I did post on the Firemark uh, Facebook page. He uh, we were at the Iwo Jima Memorial, and he noted that he was at Iwo Jima. He's 102 years old. So more than likely, he's probably the last surviving member that ever set foot on Iwo Jima during the battle there. Mm. Um, and just to meet with him and talk to him, and he was still with all his faculties, uh, you know, wow. at, at 102. It's just insane. Mm-hmm. In December, he'll be 103. I mean, it's that is crazy. Um, so just talking to him, talking to some of these other veterans, hearing I was sitting next to a Vietnam uh, War veteran and hearing his stories uh you know, I mean, it's just it's just amazing. We need to salute these patriots, and, and Honor Flight is just an amazing experience to, uh, um, you know, they do all these these cool things for the veterans on, on the flight, and we, our flight landed in Baltimore, and they had the fire trucks out on the runway, and they were spraying the plane down just to, like, honor them, like, to being, like, a shout-out to them, like, on the mm-hmm, runway, and mm-hmm. all this really, really cool stuff. Uh, I've been on Honor Flight before. We didn't do it this time, but they'll usually have, like, a police caravan and block off the roads for us and stuff like that, so... Anyway, such a cool experience, and um, I found it interesting because I was at the Washington Monument on Saturday, and all the flags are at half-staff, and somebody asked why the flags at half-staff, and they said, well, Biden ordered the flags at half-staff because of the passing of the Queen and ordered them down for like 10 days, and I'm like, isn't that ironic? Like, we are lowering our flag to half-staff to honor a monarch of a country that we broke from from independence all these long ago? I mean, I guess it's not too soon. <laughs> it's, it's certainly not too soon. Um, well, I will always, anytime I hear s- stories like that, I will always remember how I felt uh, following 9-11 when they played the American National Anthem at Buckingham Palace. Oh. So, since then, I've always had respect for... Uh, England and England's uh, allyship with our country. Now, it was the national anthem, though. It wasn't like God Save the Queen, which sounds like my country tis of thee, right? <laughs> right. Well, they played them both, right? Oh, they played them so, both, okay. Because they, they have that tradition in front of Buck- Buckingham Palace. But I think it was the first time in history that they had played the, the American national anthem uh, at Buckingham Palace was following 9-11. So I was very moved by that. and I, I, I need to look that up. That's yeah. that's amazing because yeah. I mean I guess that goes both ways then mm-hmm. because you know that that song was written in response to a battle that was fought during the War of eighteen twelve which was the United States against Britain so for the British to play a song that was uh, a patriotic motivating song against their forces right is is so is they interesting. also didn't think it was too soon right I gotcha. Uh, moving on to Idiot of the Week, um, 
we're going to have to give it to Biden. I don't know if everybody said, did you see his 60 Minutes interview this week? I did everybody not watch probably, it, no. Okay, have you heard about it? I, I heard about Tim Allen's uh, joke on Twitter about it. Tim Allen, okay, I didn't hear this. What okay, did Tim so, Allen say? So Tim Allen just wrote on Twitter, uh, Joe Biden was a guest on 60 Minutes. I heard that he asked how long the show was. <laughs> And apparently there was a b- bunch of blowback and people were attacking him for, you know, whatever. Everyone had their political, you know, biases and that was a whole thing. But it, to me, and I, look, I'm not anti-Biden. Like, I didn't think it was an offensive joke. It was just a joke at the expense of the president. Right. No, that's funny. Um, no, I mean, I'm, I'll, I'll defend Biden on this one instance and say he didn't say that. But he did say <laughs> a lot of other very moronic and stupid things. So he's going to be... Our idiot of the week. The interview was just a complete disaster. And you know what? I've always been on the fence with Scott Pelley. I'm not really, haven't been happy with his journalism. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. He's very inconsistent and uneven. But I mean, he sat there and he he called Biden out. Now, it could have been better. He could have called him out on other things like the border problem and some other stuff. Um, I would have liked to have him go more in depth, but, um, you know, he, he called Biden out on a speech and that he, Biden did recently about grouping all the Republicans as MAGA Republicans. Mm. And, um, you know, Biden's like, well, that was taken out of context. I'm like, if you watch the speech, there was no other way to con of context to take it. He grouped all Republicans as saying that they're all MAGA Republicans. Mm. And he was usually clearly doing that speech to go ahead and get people to vote Democratic in the upcoming midterms. Mm. I mean, there was no other way to go ahead and interpret that. Mm. And, you know, when you make a statement, whatever the reason is, you know, back up and be confident in your statement. You've made the statement. You can't be like, well, you took it out of context and you did this and you did that. You know, that, that just shows weakness and it shows like lack of character. But the biggest thing that was absolutely, I, I wouldn't even call it hilarious, but but makes him our idiot of the week, is that Pelly actually directly asked him if Biden wanted boots on the ground in Taiwan, if China invaded Taiwan. And he goes, absolutely, we're going to send American forces over there to fight if China invades Taiwan. I mean, basically saying that we're going to start some war with, with, with China. And, I mean, he said it twice. And... As he's talking, there's a voiceover by Pelly that says a top White House official said that the U.S. hasn't changed their stance on China and Taiwan. Mm-hmm. So I want to know is, who's this top White House official? How does that outrank the president of the United States? Mm-hmm. The president of the United States says, I want boots on the ground. I'm the commander in chief. You know, basically saying, like, we're going to go to war with you, China. And everyone's like, oh, my God, the old man's going crazy again. Uh, that's not what a type White House official said. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, so this guy outranks Biden? Mm-hmm. I mean, it just simply reminded me of Raiders of the Lost Ark. Like, who do you have working on the Ark? Top men. I'm like, is, is that who's running this country now? Top men? Mm-hmm. I, I, crazy. But anyway, Joseph Biden, your 60 Minutes interview, uh, it was pathetic. And, you know, this is a reason why you need to stay off our TVs uh, and maybe have somebody else speak for you. So, idiot of the week to Joe Biden. That's my thoughts on that. So, again, uh, no trivia this week. So, hopefully you guys are still trying to find the answers from um, for the $200 Target gift card from a couple of weeks ago. Uh, anything else to add on current events? No, none for me. Okay. Uh, well, thanks for joining us on this current event segment. And we will be right back with sports. Thank you. 
Welcome back to the Fire Mark. It is September 22nd, 2022. A lot of twos there. And this is our sports segment. I'm your host, Alex Berg, again with... Alan! Hey! And uh, we're jamming out to a little Van Halen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. A little Unchained. Um, Diamond Dave at his best. Yeah. A lot of good songs with Dave. I mean, that was... You know, I, I, I like the Hagar era... In its own way. It's a different animal. It's a different animal, but like they were, like it, it's really hard to go ahead and change lead singers and still be kind of awesome in their own ways, you know? Yep. Um, anyway, we could go on and on about Van Halen. I think, <laughs> yeah, so anyway. Um, moving on to our sports uh, update here. So uh, I don't know if you saw this. Scott Frost, Nebraska, he I, gone? I, you know I saw that. How? Oh, what, watch, well, oh, my what, God. I didn't you know. Follow college football, Excuse me. <laughs> if you follow college football, you know Scott Frost getting fired. He got fired two weeks shy of a $7.5 million bonus. Right. What's up with that? Buyout. Right? Wow. They Man, Nebraska could have waited two weeks and saved that money. How many... Facilities upgrades could you buy for seven and a half million dollars? So you know this stuff happens though. This is not the first time that somebody's been bought out just shy or, or gotten fired just shy of a, a bunch more money. You don't know what's going on behind the scenes. There could be some ridiculous wealthy boosters. Like I'll pay that. I don't mm-hmm. care. I want the man gone, and I want him gone yesterday. Mm-hmm. You know. I mean, they fired. Uh, what was it, Lane Kiffin, like, on the tarmac, leaving a game True. at USC. Uh, I think Herm Edwards just got let go, yes, like, like I think in the middle of, of the game or, or something like that with, mm. with Arizona State. Yeah. Or he was asked to leave or, or whatever. I saw that he had to take a commercial flight to get out of wherever he was. Mm-hmm. So uh, when people have the money, they don't care about all this extra money. They want the guy gone, and they want him gone yesterday. and. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree. I mean, geez, two weeks. Uh, it's crazy. And, and you know, you can break it down a million different ways. It's like what worked at UCF that didn't work at Nebraska. And, yeah. and um, you know, he, he just wasn't getting it done. I mean, he had a couple of years there. It was his third or fourth year already. And, you know, you're losing to Northwestern. You're you're losing to uh, I think he lost to like a D2 school or something like that or or yeah or or Eastern Michigan or somebody really crappy was it Georgia Southern I don't Georgia know. Southern yeah it's it's you know this is not getting it done this is not you know those uh, Tom Osborne this, days I, um, to chime in the, the that the Sun Belt had the hell of a last couple of weeks or at least that one weekend Sunbelt was Appalachian State, yeah. Marshall, yeah. Georgia Southern. Yeah. Look at all these marquee programs that they beat. Right. Another freaking Dame yeah. lost to Marshall. Yep. Appalachian State beats Texas A&M, and you have Nebraska losing, I think, to Georgia Southern. It's all in one conference, but uh, to answer your question, what worked at UCF as opposed to Nebraska, I think it's just a difference of that conference versus the Big Ten. I mean... The Big Ten, I know we just think it's only Ohio State, but, like, they have quite a recruiting base up in the Big Ten. That that cha- that schedule is no joke. Uh, even yeah. compared to their previous conference, the Big 12, Nebraska's not been the same since they, cha- since they changed over. No, not at all. I'm not sure even sure what's going on, but they're, yeah, they, they were this, like, elite program, and anybody in the Midwest was going to Nebraska. They were recruiting everybody. Mm-hmm. 
and they were dominating. And it was always either Nebraska or Oklahoma winning the Big 12. Maybe Texas would, would pipe in. But, you know, other than that one year when they had Vince Young, like Texas was never really relevant in the Big 12. They were only relevant when they were in the old Southwest Conference back in the before 1995. You know, when they were in that conference that had, like, every Texas team, like Houston and Texas Tech and Arkansas and all these teams. Um, you know, anyway, it's, yeah, it's it's uh, it's crazy how, th- how things go. And uh, I heard there's a rumor about Urban Meyer. I mean, you know, this guy needs to wrap it up. <laughs> he's, a, he's a bit of a swindler. <laughs> they call him Urban Liar. Yeah, uh, Urban Liar, Urban Crier. Urban uh, Myth. <laughs> that I haven't honest, heard he, he lies. I mean, yeah. you know you know what he's going to do. He's going to come into a major program, collect a, a big paycheck, and uh, he's going to ignore your buyout, uh, which works both ways in many situations. And if he wants out of your program, he will fake a heart attack. Yes. He will, he will act like Fred Sanford on your sideline, <laughs> calling to his late wife in the sky. Calling to Elizabeth. And then uh, he's going to fake his way out of that contract. But uh, that's my prediction for Urban Meyer is that uh, – He's not going to honor the, the the long-term expectations. If he's if your school is not winning him championships, he's going to try to save face and just uh, bow out and not have to pay a dime. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, if I were a Nebraska fan, I would want to steer very clear of Urban Meyer. So, um, Canes, Texas A&M, I have been busy. I was traveling on honor flight, as I mentioned before. I did not get to see the game. Uh, were you I able to watch it? S- yeah, I saw the last, I think, three or maybe two and a half quarters of the game uh, because, first of all, I wrote that game off as a loss. And then when I saw how close and well they were playing in the first quarter, I was like, I know I'm interested. You've piqued my interest, Canes. I want to see how you do. Right. Wound up losing uh, eight points to Texas A&M, which I'll take. Like, I think that there's something to be said in a moral victory in that respect. I know they just lost to Appalachian State the week before, the Aggies did. Uh, But even so, I saw some good stuff from Miami. I saw a stepped-up defense. The defense was playing lights out. Like, I was impressed how well they held off. Yeah, because what was it, 17-9 or something that was the final? The 17-9 was the final score. Um, They held off a talented squad in Texas A&M. And their O-line was uh, doing pretty well. The problem was none of their receivers can hang on to the ball. And their number one reliable receiver was out with injury that game. So, oh, And then after that game, their number one receiver for against Texas A&M went down with a thumb injury. So now we've literally got no one who can hang on to the ball. So everyone was hyping up our quarterback, uh, Tyler Van Dyke, as uh, the, one of the best quarterbacks in the conference. But if you've got no one to throw to, what good is a good quarterback? Right. So anyway, consistent running game. A lot of people criticize our offensive coordinator who was yanked from Michigan as doing very vanilla play calling. Uh, But I would argue that he's doing so largely because he doesn't have a lot of options. Mm. How are you going to call deep plays or passing plays if you don't think your receivers are going to come down with the ball? You're probably more likely to throw a pick than actually complete a pass. So... I, I'm not calling out our offensive coordinator at this point, even though a lot of our fans are really not happy with him. Are they uh, exp- the receivers expected to be back sometime soon? Uh, at no time as of now. Oh. So we don't know when they're going to be okay. That's rough. Um, but, you know, it is Chris- Crystal Ball's first year, so um, 
you know, I, I, if the future looks bright, I mean, it's it's it'll be looking up no matter what, and you know maybe they can still find a way to compete in the ACC. I mean, the ACC, you know, I mean, I'm not gonna say Florida State is back, okay? Because let, 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 let's hold the horses. <laughs> LSU is a bottom tier SEC team. Mm-hmm. They beat Duquesne, and you know they beat a Louisville team that lost by 24 points to Syracuse. Mm-hmm. So. Louisville has nobody either. I know Louisville beat UCF, but I mean, okay, whatever. Um, I will say Jordan Travis looks better this year than I've ever seen him, and this is his fifth year as a quarterback. So FSU's got some reason to be happy. I mean, but compared to last year, last year was horrible. So if you're better than last year, that's still not saying a lot. Yeah, I mean, that's they could be better. I mean, what, what did they end up, like 5-7 and seven last year or something yeah. like that? I mean, you know, so maybe they'll go, you know, 8-4 and four or something like that this year. But, you know, let's let's slow the roll a little bit, too. A um, couple weeks ago, too, I was watching the big game between Alabama and Texas. Uh, I'm sorry, Alabama, I'm giving you the loss. I, I know you won the game by a point, <laughs> but it's ridiculous. I don't know if you saw the game. Early in the fourth quarter, scores tied 10-10. They sacked Bryce Young in the end zone. It's a safety. Wow. Not only did they sack him in the end zone, you could even argue that he wasn't sacked because the guy, you know, was on the ground and brought him down and his back was touching the guy's belly, so physically no part of his body was on the ground. But he got rid of the ball and threw the ball out of bounds. That's so a safety. That's a safety. No matter even if he was not down, it's still a safety. Did they call it a safety? No, they called I what they called didn't even make any sense. He was down on the ground, then this guy came in, and they thought that he was targeting, and they called a personal foul for roughing the passer. Oh, wow. It wasn't roughing the passer. It wasn't even close, and it wasn't even anywhere near targeting because his helmet was nowhere near his, the other guy's helmet. Oh, so then they said there's no foul on the play, and they were just like, it's fourth down. And I'm yeah. like, how is it fourth down? If there's no penalty, then the play sits as stand, and the ball flew out of bounds. It's a safety. Also, if he's not near an eligible receiver, it would be intentional grounding. Of course. And that also results in a safety. But it wouldn't be intentional grounding because he actually threw the ball laterally, if not backwards. So that would be actually considered a fumble, fumble. and then still out of bounds, and it's still a safety. Unreal. So no matter how we, you slice it, yes. And if, it, and if it was a forward pass, then it would have been intentional grounding in the end zone, which is still a safety. So either way you slice it, it's a safety. And it basically was a field goal battle after that. And, you know, Alabama won uh, on a last-second field goal. That really should have mm. should not have counted. I mean, you know, the Texas should have won that game. So, you know. Some Longhorns fans should be really upset right now. And, and you know, I didn't even hear. Oh, they, they were all like Steve Sarkeesian, the head coach of Texas, was just like, oh, well, you know, um, b- b- we, we did really well, and I'm going to take that as a win for our program. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, you competed with a great Alabama team at home. Awesome. But you deserve to win that game. So um, moving on, Florida, I'm a Gator alum. Um, they're not looking good. They played great against Utah, but uh, the Kentucky game was an absolute disaster. Anthony Richardson, the quarterback, he can't find receivers, um, even when he's looking straight at open receivers. And uh, they played terrible against an awful South Florida team. And they did squeak out a victory at the end, but, uh, you know, it's it's ridiculous already what's going on at, at, at Florida. Um, you know, I'm, I'm going up to North Carolina this weekend. I was going to try to go to the game against Tennessee. I'm... Doubting I'm actually going to go because 
Tennessee is looking decent and okay, and they have a good Josh Heupel offense, and I don't want to sit at that stadium and and get destroyed. I mean, you know, I'm going to regret it, obviously, if the Gators end up pulling a win. But, um, you know, this is going to be a defining moment. I know it's Billy Napier's first year and everything like that, but that Kentucky loss was so ugly. The South Florida game was bad. If they get shellacked by Tennessee, people are going to be pretty upset. So, um, and especially in an SEC where you got Georgia dominating again. I mean, they're, they just they crushed South Carolina. They crushed a, a, a top 25 Oregon team in week one, like 49-3 to three or something like that. You know, I don't think anything's stopping this Georgia juggernaut, and I especially don't even think Alabama really ha- – you know, you can never count out Saban, but, um, you know, the SEC West is a little strong. Auburn sucks, but Arkansas is strong. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Miss Ole Miss, you got Lane Kiffin over there. Um, they're pretty good. Mississippi State. So you, you, you got some challenges going on um, in the SEC West. And then Texas A&M, who you just talked about. Um, you know, Auburn and LSU are garbage, but um, which is weird because normally it'd be like the Mississippi schools that are garbage, but they're actually better this year. Um, but I think Saban's going to have a tough time running the table on the on uh, on his side of the bracket, and then you're going to have to face Georgia in the championship game. So you know, we'll see, we'll see what happens. Um, baseball has been uh, exciting. We got the pennant races. Uh, well, the the playoffs war- ramping up to conclusion of the season um the Mets and the Braves clinched the playoffs the other day uh and then Aaron Judge and the Yankees he hit 60 home runs so he's the uh only the Yankees in the American League hit 60 home runs you got Babe Ruth uh Roger Maris and now Aaron Judge so uh it's exciting I'll tell you what I was watching the game last night everybody was looking for him to hit uh, home run number 61 the stadium was packed he got up in the in the bottom of the eighth inning. They were up like fourteen to two, and the pitcher walked him on four straight pitches. And as soon as that happened, the entire stadium left. There could have been like seven people left in the stadium after that because it was fourteen to two, and they just wanted to see him hit number sixty one. But um, it's 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 fun to watch and it's exciting and it's interesting how it's always been the Yankees. So uh, keep an eye on that. I mean, he's you know we we have a couple weeks left in the season so you know more than likely he's definitely going to break the record so that's that's exciting and then uh i don't know if you follow tennis you saw that uh, roger federer retired so um you know he's been a tennis great for a long long time uh since like the late 90s i think he broke out and you know he had the lead in most grand slam championships for a long time until kind of nadal and Djokovic caught up to him um he suffered with a lot of knee injuries, and this was an interesting stat, which I has got to be busy on the Federer household. He has two sets of twins. Mm. That's busy. So, um, anyway, so uh, he's he's a tennis great and be remembered, and of course Serena Williams retired too. So it's kind of a sad day in tennis losing these two uh, two icons. But um, NFL, I don't know how much NFL you follow. You know, I rarely watch NFL. Um... But uh, you got this topic here, which applies to my Monday night uh, football game I watched recently. Okay. Um, about the Bills looking unstoppable? They were fantastic. I've not seen a passing game so good in forever. The Josh Allen, Stefan Diggs combo is stupendous. Right. And, of course, who's in the uh, the, the booth calling the, the plays but my old buddy... Ken Dorsey, mm-hmm. number 11 from the University of Miami, national championship winner. Twice. Uh, it, well, <laughs> we'll, we'll get to that. Um, but, uh, yes, that was um, that was a pretty cool game. I mean, yeah, it was very one-sided, but I was really impressed by 
after seeing the Miami Hurricanes not be able to hold onto a ball, so many wide receivers, particularly Diggs, with these Velcro hands, just unbelievable. Right. Yeah, they look unstoppable. And then, you know, you got the Dolphins, and it's the same old story. Like, the Dolphins beat the Patriots in week one, and I watched the game against the Ravens. They had this great comeback and scored four touchdowns in the fourth quarter to come back and beat the Ravens. And and every Dolphin fan already has them in the Super Bowl after two games. I was a Dolphin fan for a long, long time. I gave up on them after 30 years of rooting for them because it's just ridiculous. It's the same old story. I can't tell you that how many years in the 30 years that I rooted for the Dolphins that the Dolphins had the, at some point in the season had the best record in the whole NFL. Mm-hmm. You know, in in you know at least a quarter or more way into the season, there'd be seasons where they were nine and two after 11 games, seven and one after eight games, five and zero oh after five games, and they had the best record in the entire NFL and be like, miss the playoffs, miss the playoffs, miss the playoffs, miss the playoffs, make the playoffs and get destroyed in the first game. The Dolphins have not won a playoff game since 2000. That's 22 years. Okay, I was at the game, actually, and they beat the Colts in overtime. Since 2000 is the last time that they won a playoff game, okay? And now you're already putting them in the Super Bowl after two games because they beat the Ravens and the Patriots? I mean, okay. Let's see. Let's see what happens when they play the Bills. I think they're playing right. the Bills this weekend, actually. I'm let's see. Pretty, let's see what happens. Let's see how you step how it up. Go. Yeah, I mean, I think I think the uh, odds makers. I think the Bills are at the Dolphins, if I remember correctly, and the Bills are still a touchdown favorite. Mm-hmm. So uh, I know Tua looks amazing and all this other stuff, but slow your roll. It's two games, okay? Let me tell you this. Moving on to my Panthers, who look like crap. Last season, the Panthers had a great record. They were 3-0 and after the first three weeks of the season. Yeah, they ended 5-12, and okay? And now they look like crap again, too. So if you take everything all together in their last 16 games, Matt Rule is 2-14. and I don't know if this guy's going to survive the season, much less make it to the end of the season. You know, they got a game, a winnable game this weekend against the, the Saints. I don't know what's going to happen with that. So we'll see. I mean, we have three straight home games. We got the Saints, the Cardinals, and the 49ers. These are all mediocre to slightly maybe above average teams. But if you're going to make the playoffs and you got all these games at home and you've already lost your first two to the Giants and the Browns, you got to win these three. So, you know, three and two after the first five games with the way the schedule looked. Uh, was was probably where it should be, but now that you dropped the first two, you need to be three and two. If if he only wins one or none of these next three games, I, I don't think he's going to survive this homestand. I think that's it. Mm-hmm. So I know you're coming with me to the game on on October 9th. I don't even know if Matt Rule will be the coach by then. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll see. Maybe he'll be coaching in Nebraska. <laughs> Maybe we'll get Urban Meyer in Carolina. Oh God, I think he's done with the NFL. Yeah, sure. I think so too. After he kicked the kicker. Yeah. Uh, Bengals dropped to 0-2, the AFC champions. Um, I watched the game against the Cowboys. Uh, you know, this, this Cooper Rush, this backup to Dak, he played great. Um, you know, the defense let him down too. Uh, uh, Joe Burrow let him all the way down the field late in the game. They were down, what was it, 17 to... 17 to 9, I want to say, or something like that. Was that the. I think it was 17 to 9 they were down. So they needed the touchdown and the two point conversion late in the game. They called great plays. They got both of them. And then the defense just, you know, shits the bed at the end and lets them run all the way down the field and kick the game winning field goal. So it's disappointing when games end like that. So. Uh, moving on to, uh, we're doing uh, a new thing, maybe just this week, maybe more, the Sports Idiots of the Week. So we got two Sports Idiots of the Week. One is an unnamed person. Uh, in the week one, the Dolphins were playing the Patriots, 
and some moron that was barbecuing decided to take his barbecue and put it instead of like making sure the fire was out and putting it in his car he decides to put it underneath his car and the coals were still hot so what happens little car fire little car fire spread to big car fire 12 cars got burned up 12 cars imagine being in this football game and you come out yeah your car's gone holy lord i'd have someone's ass I mean, like, are you kidding me? Is this uh, in Miami Gardens or? Yeah, yeah, in Miami Gardens, in the so, in the parking lot. So the thing with the parking lot in Miami Gardens, like, most of that is grass, right? Like the parking No, lot. there's no grass anymore. It's oh. all like like uh, rocks and stone because they repaved the whole area because okay. they put the the Formula One track on there now. So there's yeah, that could have gotten worse. That's there might be grass on the inside. I think this was on the outside. Most okay. of the parking is on the outer rim. Right. Like the inside is for like the the elite people, and there could be some grass there. Mm-hmm. But this was on the outside. Mm-hmm. So that's idiot number one, and idiot number two. I'm going into uh, Kirk Herb Street from College Game Day. So um, like two weeks ago, College Game Day was at in Columbus, Ohio, for Ohio State versus Notre Dame, and. He was talking about uh, they had Jim Tressel and Maurice Claret and a bunch of these guys on, and they were talking about it's the 20th anniversary of their <clears throat> national championship and against Miami, which we all know was not pass interference. And he, they, Reese Davis was talking to uh, Maurice Claret and Jim Tressel and was just like, hey, pass interference or not? And they just completely played off, be like, we played hard and we won that football game and we deserve to win and mm-hmm. we played to the final buzzer and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, like avoiding the topic. And I'm like, you know, I don't know how you feel, but you you, you won a disputed national championship and it was clear that you really didn't, didn't deserve all of that. I mean, yes, listen, I did watch the game. Ohio State dominated that game. I'll mm-hmm. give them that. And it was only at the end that Miami came back and had this miracle tie. But they made the plays to go ahead and do it. And you play 60 minutes of football for a reason. You don't end the game after three quarters. So then Kirk Herbstreit comes on. And he goes, I don't want to hear this crap from Miami fans because if because if Chris Campbell's catch was ruled a catch uh, late in the fourth quarter, then Ohio State runs the clock out and then it's game over and we win the championship without all the overtime. And I'm, so I didn't even know about this play. So I had watched the game live, and I looked at the play, and it was a bunch of crap. They had a couple of different angles. This guy tries to catch the ball on a third down play, and his 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 body is out of bounds. He makes the catch, but his body is out of bounds. At no time was it clear that his foot was in bounds and the rest of him was not in order to qualify it as a catch. His whole body was out of bounds when he caught the ball. The official on the field ruled it incomplete without even a question. The announcers didn't even question it when it was on the field. Like, oh, that might be controversial. I heard nothing about this the next day from anybody. So... That's a bunch of crap, and that's just Kirk Herbstreit being a homer. I'm like, you want to think that you won that national championship? Go right ahead. You know, I, in my opinion, you have better better chance to go ahead and claim a national championship on that season that Urban Meyer went undefeated at Ohio State, and they were on probation and they didn't get to play in the championship game. <laughs> that I would give yourself credit for because you had an undefeated season, and that's you can't take that away from you. But this one was a loss to the Canes. So, thoughts. It's one of those things where, as a Canes uh, alum and a fan, like I do try to n- not think about too often. Uh, but history will tell you there was no instant replay in college football before that game, and now we have instant replay in college football. And I'll end it there. But to your point, too, I don't know if pass interference because that's you know I don't know if that could be overturned by replay. 
Oh, well. So. Is, no? I don't know. I thought so. I am not 100% the sure. The on the field is pass interference. If they review it, they, they, they might have undisputable evidence. If, the way everyone talks about it seems undisputable. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've watched the play a million times. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't think that there was anything. That got, the the cornerback made a play, and that's the way it was. Yeah. Maybe they didn't want the game to end that way. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, but that was it. So, anyway, that's our sports segment for today, September twenty second, twenty twenty two. No trivia, but we, Alan and I, will be right back with entertainment. Welcome back to the Fire Mark. It is September 22nd, 2010, 2022. I'm your host, Alex Berg. Again with... Alan! Hey, Alan. Long time no see. Uh, <laughs> it's been a minute. It's been a minute. So this is our entertainment segment. Um, we got a couple, a lot of things to discuss, but um, a couple new trailers. Didn't know if you saw them. Secret Invasion. Did you see that? Yes. The, uh, what is it, Nick Fury story? Nick Fury and Scrolls. Okay. <laughs> it's a series. I, I was thinking. Oh, it's were, a series. Okay. Yeah, I was thinking they were going to make a movie out of Secret Invasion, but it turns out they're going to make a Disney Plus TV series starring Samuel L. Jackson and his fight for undercover, a uh, fight against undercover scrolls. I don't know what any of that means because I'm not into the whole Marvel thing yet, but I am going to get into it. But the trailer looked cool. Mm-hmm. So you didn't see the trailer? I did see the trailer. Oh, you did see the trailer. I, I, I read the comic. Uh, series, which was interesting in the comic books because they had scrolls impersonated in literally every Marvel character you can think of. So, like, people you thought were uh, Marvel characters for the last however long decade or decades Mm -hmm. uh, turned out to be scrolls, and that led to a lot of retconning of continuity. Like, oh, you know that story that involved Ant-Man? Well, it wasn't Ant-Man the whole time! It was really a scroll for the last several decades, so... It was interesting how they kind of undid a few storylines here and there uh, with that. Um, but uh, with the the Nick Fury thing, I guess if you want to watch another Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. starring Nick Fury, you, you might be interested in this show. Right. And then uh, Mandalorian Season 3. Did you see the trailer for that? I have not seen the trailer for it. I have liked the first two seasons of Mando, so... Looking forward to season three, regardless of how the trailer looks. Yeah, it looked more more of the same. Um, again, I haven't watched the show yet. I do plan on watching it, but it you know it looks cool. And then uh, Picard season three trailer. I did not see the Picard season three trailer. I have heard tell that Worf is involved. They're all involved. Okay, they're all involved. Mm-hmm. Hey, fool me twice, shame on me. So I'm not gonna fall for this nostalgic BS anymore. I don't care who you put in this show. Uh-oh. I know what you're gonna do. You're gonna bait and switch. And the show's not going to be about any of the Next Generation characters. It's going to be about some new character that you're going to put in the limelight. And I'm not having it. Ouch, so you're not watching? I, I'm not looking forward to it, so I'll watch it when I get to it, if I do. Oh, wow. That's that's hardcore. Okay. Uh, I did not watch Season 2 yet. I don't know if I'm going to watch Season 2. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see if I have time, if there's nothing else on. And uh, I know you said you completed the season of the Orville. 
I have um, not completed it. Oh, not completed the no, season. No, okay. so I watched uh, the most recent episode I watched uh, involved. Uh, it was kind of taking picking up where uh, another episode from the previous season left off, where Bordis and his husband Clyden Clyden had a child, and in the current season, that child uh, feels that uh, he is not a he; he is a she. And that is biologically accurate because he was born a she uh, biologically. So anyway, long story short, the first officer gets involved. Back and forth occurs. Clyden is like, no, you cannot undo the surgery. And they wind up undoing the surgery. And Clyden walks out on the family and at the very end says, I wish you were never born to Clyden's child. And... in, in a nutshell, I felt like it was kind of superseding uh, parenthood because Bordis didn't have a lot to weigh in on this situation. He, he felt conflicted, but he didn't really make a definite um, stance as far as a connection to his child or any of that. It was just like, okay, I'm going to comply with what we're going to do, which is to have a surgery that is unbeknownst to Clyden uh, and unbeknownst to the... Um, Union, which opposed it as well, and uh, it just it kind of tried to wrap it up in a ni- nice little bow at the end. And I was like, I don't like where it's going. I get what they're trying to say, which is if someone feels that they're a certain gender, then you should respect that. But I really felt like it was trying to supersede parenthood, and that I had a bit of an issue with. Yeah, it seems like the show is just going a little woke and. Uh trying to, you know, I know I, we talked before about, like, so Seth McFarland, you know, was happy that the show's no longer on Fox, as maybe these wouldn't comply with a right-wing agenda, and now he's pushing left-wing agendas because it's on Hulu. Uh, you know, I, I don't understand why you can't just make a television show and not have an agenda. Like, I, I want television as an escape, and I don't want to have an agenda when I'm being talked to. You and I watched that first episode, which was like, you know, also Seth McFarland came out and he said, we shouldn't be restricted to 42 minutes to go ahead and tell the story. Uh, like you do on on network television, and so like this episode was like an hour and ten minutes long, and it was just dragging, and it was about suicide. And I'm like, you know, that, that hits close to home because I have a close friend that died of suicide. I'm like, I don't need to watch television mm-hmm. to go ahead and be reminded of this. Like, so I I don't know. Uh, I I need an escape, and I, you know, I'll go to a galaxy. Far, far away, and uh, mm-hmm. Andor is out, or Mandalorian, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, Andor is out, the first three episodes of Andor. I, you know, I was a big fan of the character, so I'm definitely going to watch the show. I watched the first 20 minutes of the first episode yesterday. It was good so far. Um, you know, I'm going to I'm gonna continue on the, the, the role of Obi-Wan and hope that they keep producing good content with this. So, I don't know. I know you weren't as big a fan of Rogue One as I was. Are you going to watch Andor? I might wait to if, see. Here's the yeah. I think I'm gonna wait to to hear if it's good. If I don't wait to if I don't hear that it's good, I'm not gonna watch it. I, I don't have a connection to uh, Andor as a character. Um, I didn't like him in Rogue One. I would have focused more on Jin, uh, the 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 robot, the droid, mm-hmm. and maybe the the pilot, the blonde haired guy. I forget his name. Sorry. Um, but just focus on the three characters and develop them. But instead, they had all these characters. Oh no! You know what? Not the pilot. The um the kung fu guy. 
Yeah. That's who I would have focused on. Right. The Kung Fu guy, Jin, and the droid. That would have made a, a great movie if you just had those characters. But uh, Andor, I felt like, took away from other character development. But now they're developing his character. Hopefully they develop him into someone who's uh, likable, that, that I, I care about. And uh, I'll, I'll wait to hear what, uh, what this entails. Okay, fair enough. Um, there's a new Transformer show coming out. It's called Earth Sparks, coming out November 11th. So the animation looks kind of cool for that, but uh, we'll see. I'm not really sure who's doing the voices, but um, you know, there's some buzz about that in the whole Transformers universe. But speaking of Transformers, uh, the biggest thing we finally got together. Um, we're gonna be reviewing BotCon and DragonCon. So in late August, I went to uh, BotCon, which uh, we went to Nashville and check that out so it's basically they say bots like it's a bunch of other robots and toys and stuff like that but it was transformers um there was there was you know maybe there been like one or two go bots here or there um you know it was an interesting convention it was small which was nice so it was way more personable um we had a bunch of celebrities that were there in the transformers universe you had uh Bob Budiansky, who basically is one of the fathers of Transformers that created the names of every Transformer other than Optimus Prime and Prowl. He created their bios. He created um, stories in the comics about them. You also had Simon Furman, who did the comics over in the UK. Mm-hmm. So he was there. You could talk to him. Um, I mean, there was some woman that did uh, the voice of Jem that was there, just some random thing. There were some um, other voice actors that I think the one the woman that did Black Arachne and some other stuff in like... Uh, Beast Wars, um, but I'm more of the G1 guy. And then, um, you know, the highlight was uh, was Frank Welker. Frank Welker was there, um, so he had a panel, and so I, I got involved in every little thing I could. Um, Bob Budiansky was very approachable. I had numerous conversations with him. Um, they had a cool reception at the uh, Embassy Suites where they do um, free snacks and drinks from 5 to 6.30 every day. So, you know, I met uh, I met a guy up there very similar to me. His name was Jeremy. We became friends. He's from Ohio. So shout out to Jeremy if you're listening. And, you know, Bob Budiansky would come in and we would just kind of just sit down and talk with him and pick his brain or whatever. And so it was cool. it was a very kind of low-key kind of thing. Um, nobody was really like a bunch of pomp and circumstance other than Welker. Um, I was blessed enough. I was able to talk to Welker, get a get a question or two in with him. Cool. So, what was that? So that was cool. What was the question? Uh, well, I had a couple of questions. My, my main – this was interesting. So my main question to Welker – um, you know, I sat on the aisle, like kind of near the microphone cause I wanted to get my question in. So I ended up and he didn't, he only took like maybe six or seven questions and I was the third person. So my question to him was going to be how he felt in the Transformers, the movie, when there was such a shift in his character from being just kind of menacing and maniacal to like basically a cold blooded killer and how he felt like that in, in, you know, his acting and how, you know, he felt like that would be perceived in a children's film, mm-hmm. believe it or not. The very first person that asked him a question asked that exact same question. And I couldn't believe it. <laughs> he had the same question I had. So, so oh, so the person who went before you had the question you, you wanted to ask? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> out, of, out of all the okay. – he was two before me, yeah. Okay. So luckily I had a backup question, which wasn't nice. as good. So my backup question was I wanted to know if there was any backstory in the first Transformers miniseries, The More Than Meets the Eye, and I think even more episodes than that. Frank Welker is not credited at the end of the episodes. Oh. And so I wanted to ask him, like, was there something going on there? You know, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know were you debating about – whether or not you were going to do it or something with your contract or, or, or whatever. 
and and unfortunately it he he was just like oh he's like well good eye for catching that and he goes let me ask my agent and the agent was there and he's just like i wasn't your agent at the time and he's like very good answer <laughs> and uh and then he's just like no he's like there was nothing in the background it was just hasbro made a mistake okay and i was just like so like my question kind of died like a flat tire i was oh. just like ah, oh. like I, I thought there would be some cool story mm-hmm. um so what was his answer to your first question that you didn't get to ask um, you know, he wasn't as good as I wanted him to be with the questions. He was kind of just like, yeah, he noticed the change in dynamic in the character, but he still had a role to play. Mm-hmm. And so he didn't give it a lot of thought about what the impact would be. Like, I mean, the guy, I was going to go all out on it. I'm like, you know, you know, when you were sitting there and it was just like such heroic nonsense and all that. And he even repeated the line, like mm-hmm. he even did it in the Megatron voice. And he said, such heroic nonsense. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, you know, that was just like shocking me. All these kids, the first five minutes of the movie, we saw all these robots like violently die. And he, and you know, he just kind of, like he said, he was, he was just there to go ahead and fill a part and a role and, and, um, you know, just be blessed to go ahead and do that. And didn't really think beyond whatever the job was or what the impact would be. Mm-hmm. So, um, and these are Welker in particular, but like everyone in that cast, like they had already voiced countless characters in other shows and, and whatnot. And I think they were like, Oh, it's another recording gig. Oh, this is going to be a major motion picture. Okay, cool. Right. But at the end, it's still a piece of paper with some ink printed on it, and mm-hmm. you're supposed to breathe life into the character, they they weren't thinking that far ahead on who is your audience, how do they feel about these characters. It's like, okay, well, how do you feel about Hong Kong Fooey? It's like, yeah. we're ju- these are just characters we do. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so yeah, he was, um, he was good. You know, he told, uh, I think he was telling me that he wanted the role of Shaggy. He, he, mm. he tried out for Shaggy. So he was Fred in Scooby-Doo. Right. He tried out for Shaggy, and Casey Kasem tried out for Fred. Interesting. And they actually swapped them at the end. Oh, wow. And, you know, he really wanted Shaggy because he wanted to be the one to interact with Scooby, and he was mm. he thought that was the more fun character. Right. Because I guess his career started as a stand-up comedian, and Shaggy was more of, like, the kind of comedy relief, and Fred was the more serious one. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the roles ended up the way the roles did. And that's really how he got his start. I guess somebody saw him doing comedy and saw him doing voices in his comedy act back in the 60s mm-hmm. and was like, you know, I want you to try out for this uh, Scooby-Doo show. And after that, you know, it just steamrolled from there. So um, That actually makes sense now that I think about it because knowing Frank Welker as well as we know now, it doesn't seem like he's right for the role of Fred. Right. Like he is really an outgoing, kooky guy, mm-hmm. and Fred is totally the most straight-laced character in the entire Scooby-Doo exactly. series. Exactly, so yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, so, um, you know, Frank Walker was pretty kind of well, I wouldn't, like, say protected, like it was a big surprise. They they did have his entrance pretty cool. I got there a little bit earlier. They had, like, a reading um, with a bunch of char- Beast Wars characters, like a made-up kind of thing where the characters were doing their voices or whatever. And let's say Frank was coming on at 4. So I walked into the room at like a quarter to 4 just so I could get a good seat. And they were doing this reading and all this other stuff. And then right at about 4 o'clock, like the, the script that they were reading, they're like... And then we entered this room and all of a sudden... And then you hear like Megatron's voice... And so they incorporated him into it, and then he shows up, and everyone's like, whoa! So that was pretty cool. So, like, they they transitioned the two panels together, 
by by bridging that way. So like Megatron's appearance in the in the reading was a surprise to everybody, and he was outside with a microphone, wow. doing it, and everybody was like, "Oh my god!" And then he walked in, and oh, that was cool. his entrance. So that was cool. Do you have any memory of what those characters were doing? Like any of the the, the back and forth dialogue? No, it, it, it was some made-up script mm-hmm. with um, Gary Chalk and the Black Arachnia person and, like, one other guy. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I wasn't really interested. I didn't know what was going on because I came in, you know, toward the tail end of it. Okay. But, um, you know, when he started doing the Megatron thing, that was cool. Mm-hmm. So It was um, interesting because, like, in the ep- uh, Season 2 of Beast Wars, there are some archived footage of Megatron talking. And it's not Frank Welker, it's a different actor. So it would have been great if he could have provided that uh, that voice. Oh, okay. So, I, you know, it, it even could have been a script from that because I didn't watch that show. I'm, I'm not really sure. I was really not uh, paying too much attention on there. Um, one thing I wanted to note, the dealer room, these people were like out of their mind with the prices they were asking for things. Mm. I was able to finally, you know, get some good deals. You get deals at the end of the con. You get deals as you go on. But, you know, I'm looking for, you know, I'm not going to bring up specific toys because I know a lot of the audience is not listening. But, like, you go to these conventions and, like, I'm looking for toy A, you know. And I see toy A and this guy wants $120 for toy A. Well, three booths over, there's another person. I'm like, oh, there's toy A again. What do you want for that? $225. I'm like, you don't realize there's a guy six feet away from you that's asking $100 less? Wow. Like, you know, I mean, if I was at this convention, I would set up my display, and then I would have somebody with me to walk around and see if anybody else is selling the same merchandise I am and just be undercutting them. Mm-hmm. You know, I was so mad because I was looking for one specific toy, and it was sitting there, and I figured it would cost maybe about $15, $20. And there it was, and it was the guy wanted $25 for it. I'm like, all right, I was looking for this. I paid the $25 for it. I literally turned around to the booth behind me after I gave him my money. There, sitting right in front of me, was the same toy, $6. Mm. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Yep, same thing happened to me. You were with me when I bought the, yeah. the, the mask vehicle. Right. It was a lot less, and the guy wouldn't give me my money back after I paid him like 10 minutes prior. It's, eh, it is what it is. I mean, this would have been literally 30 seconds prior. I didn't even ask because I'm like, you know what? The sales are final. I'm not going to be like a mm-hmm. jerk about it. We already agreed on a price and right. whatever. Yeah, that's how I felt too. Um, But, I mean, after that, I mean, I just was like very hesitant. I'm like, you guys, you people are smoking crack with your prices. Mm-hmm. You know, they had they had three Constructicons on the card, like the original. You, you know what they wanted for those? Mm. $325 a piece. He's like, I can get rid of them for $900. i am like, bro, it says KB Toys $399 on this thing. Right, of course. <laughs> I'm like, you want $900? Mm-hmm. Come on. Seriously. Like, what are you going to do with this? This isn't going to go up in value. Like, And then, God forbid, like, the glue breaks on the card, and then it's worthless. I mean, they have value when they're mint on card, but probably a little too marked up there. Way too marked I mean, up. But again, if you want to know the price of something, just look it up on eBay. That is what people are buying it for. So if people are actually buying it, then that's the price. I mean, ballpark, I kind of knew where the prices were and everything. And the one thing that I thought was amazing is that this one guy, and I didn't really, the only thing I actually bought from this guy is he had these books. Um, these like read along books and all sorts of other books of the transformers that they made in the eighties. Mm-hmm. And it was perfect because my son is learning how to read and right, I can read right. these books with him. Absolutely. So I bought the books from him, but he had 
the entire G1 collection. Mm-hmm. I've never seen the entire G1 collection in person, in my own eyes, that I could touch. Mm-hmm. Like, all displayed. I actually videotaped it, took pictures. I'm like, this is incredible. Mm-hmm. But the prices he wanted for everything were ludicrous. Yeah. And I'm like, you had, you know, he's telling me he came from Texas, from Fort Worth, Texas, like a 12-hour drive. I'm like, you're going to have to pack all this crap up. Like, I, I saw him at the end of the thing, and he, he barely moved any inventory. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't understand that you still want these ridiculous prices, and you schlep them all the way out here, and you're going to schlep them all the way back. Mm-hmm. But... Anyway, that was my BotCom review. Um, I liked it. I learned that they're a competitor to Transformers Con. Transformers Con's trying to give them a cease and desist um, <laughs> order because they feel that it's similar, but I, I don't know what's going on with that. I think it's cool to have two different conventions. Um, I am going to go to Transformers Con. I went last year in Baltimore. This year is in Chicago in a couple of weeks. So um, it's, a, it's a different feel and a different vibe, and I, I really liked how BotCom was very personable. And I had multiple conversations with Budiansky. I'd run into him in the elevator or here or there. I ran into Simon Furman and his wife in the elevator, and you could just you know shoot the shit with them. Um, it was really that kind of feel, which I thought was really cool. It wasn't just like, cool. you know, you hear these people for an hour and $100 for a photograph, and then you don't see them at all. Like, it was very... Mm-hmm. Um, other than Welker, which was a little secluded, I mean, you could just walk up to Budiansky at any time of the day and just rap with him, and he was happy to talk to you, that's which is cool. awesome. Um, I can go on and on about that, but yeah, anyway, that's my BotCon review. I was very happy and very pleased with it. Um, and then you went to Dragon Con, so I went Atlanta. to Dragon Con, so I've been to over 20 Dragon Cons. My oh my, first, really? Yes. I've, Holy uh, moly. My first Dragon Con was in 1999. Uh, and so I've got a lot of experience with Dragon Con. Uh, this year was uh, a bit of a disappointment. Really? Um, well, last year was our first back from COVID. Okay. And some of it made sense. You know, they were wearing masks, and it's like, okay, we'll wear the masks because it's post-COVID, and it's better than not having Dragon Con, which is what happened in 2020. Right. So now, flash forward to today... They're still doing the mask policy, and some of the policies from the hotel were still in place where they were just not offering communal stuff like buffets or sitting areas or all this still, stuff. Still, really? And it just didn't make any wow. sense, and I was really irritated because, honestly, the reason to go to Dragon Con is typically not to meet celebrities. It's typically for the communal aspect of it. It's because you're all staying in hotels together as fans, you're going to the bars, you're hanging out together after the panels are all done, mm-hmm. and it's just a very much a communal, It's a, I call it nerdy gras, it's just shoulder to shoulder people in cosplay, or they're just fans, and just 24 hours, it's just constantly socialization. Well, the hotel that we were staying at, the Hilton, one of the host hotels, took away seating areas in the lobby, because, quote, they were worried about it being uh, a fire hazard. Or they were really what? clamping down on anyone bringing any outside alcohol. And, like, they, they had, like, uh, they, they in the past they've had DJs in the lobby. They took those away until oh, wow. last minute. They were trying to capitalize on one of their restaurants that, in the past, they had us... Uh, me and my friend Jeremy, we were doing karaoke in one of their restaurants. Well, now they're like, no, we're going to charge $120 a head to get into this, quote, exclusive restaurant. And no one did it. No one paid any money to get in there. They dropped their price to free about two days later. <laughs> it was just a disaster on the side of the hotel. And wow. I just felt like there were a lot of disappointments because of my expectations of Dragon Con. Mm-hmm. If I'd never been to Dragon Con before that year... 
I might have been like, this is a decent convention. But because I knew what Dragon Con was and what it was capable of, I was pretty let down for a lot of reasons. So it's, um, eh, I hope next year is going to be better. And if not, it might be my last one. Oh, wow. That's, uh, yeah. Wow, crazy. I, I, You know, it's surprising to me that they still had a mask policy. Yeah. You know, um, like COVID seemed to be waning like a little bit and they weren't even going to have a mask policy last year because, in fact, I was going to go. And then um, at the last minute, they're like, we're going to have a mask policy. And I was just like, you know, you're changing the boundary of things. I don't want to wear a mask at your convention. And I already bought my ticket. And they, and, and they were like, too bad. And I had to fight to get my money back. Like. Yep. Um, and they were jerks about it. And I was just like, you know what? I'm, I'm done with you people. Like the guy, the guy on the phone with me was so rude. He could care less yeah. that, that, uh, they had a mass policy and he's like, people complain all the time here. I'm like, why do you do this job then? Like, yeah. I, 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 I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I don't know why you want to be in a situation where so many people are, are, are so unhappy, but, um, mm-hmm. you know, I'm really shocked to hear even now in 22, uh, that they were still doing masks everywhere. And that's the thing. It's like, yeah, there was a rise in cases, sure, but at the same time, it's like you're seeing a rise in cases, but not a rise in deaths. So, you know, it's like, what is an endemic? An endemic means that the virus is commonplace, and we just have to live with it. And if no one's, well, if fewer people are dying than ever before, if we're in a situation where it is basically like influenza, then treat it like influenza. It's it's enough is enough. Was this a Dragon Con policy or a hotel policy? It was a Dragon Con policy. It was not the hotel's policy. In fact, the hotel did not enforce anyone to wear masks, although most of their staff was often wearing masks. But if you were in a hotel in a lobby, there was really no enforcement. It was once you were in a panel room uh, sitting next to someone in a panel, they were saying, put on your mask. And it also made me less inclined to go to panels. So I didn't really sit in a lot of panels. Right. And, I, and then the, now that they're such hypocrites, because last year the guy was yelling at me saying like, well, this is a state of Georgia and a health department policy. Mm-hmm. And, and, and now this year it's a Dragon Con policy. Basically. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know what Atlanta's stance is currently, but maybe they're also being strict on their masks in Atlanta. I don't know for sure. But in 2023, we got to be done with this. Right. I mean, it's, you know crazy to even think that like because you know i've been to so many populated cities and there's no mask mandates anywhere to think mm-hmm. that atlanta is some sort of like hotbed for this thing is kind of like a little bit ridiculous yeah. but uh i'm sorry to hear it was disappointing what was uh we don't have jeremy here we should have brought him uh, maybe next time but um what were his thoughts similar um he didn't seem particularly disappointed um look i'll say this one of my highlights was watching the dragon con parade which every year it's always got something to offer. They had uh, someone drive in the Mach 5 mm-hmm. in the parade, and they had a full-scale X-Wing in the parade. It looked beautiful. They had, wow. like, two people pushing it uh, on its landing gear, and uh, they disguised the wheels underneath the skids of the X-Wing. It was really impressive. I wonder how they even got that there. Like, they put it on a truck and they... Uh, I mean, I'm sure they dismantled the wings and such and put it on a truck Oh, somehow. yeah, so maybe it comes in but different pieces, But there was pieces, also, right? they've had for the last three or four years, uh, a sand crawler from, from uh, Tatooine. The, right. the Jawa sand crawler. It was a full-size, well, maybe not full full-size, but it was... It, it was, was big, massive? It was like, like essentially like a motorhome with an additional level on top of it looking like a sand crawler. It was really cool. Wow, that's pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, man. Well, I'm disappointed to hear that you didn't have the best time. Yeah. Hopefully next year's better, and if not, I'll, I'll be done. <laughs> right. Well, it's uh, it's New York, New York time in honor of uh, Aaron Judge hopefully hitting his 61st home run sometime okay. soon. Uh, that means that's the end of our show, so thank you for joining us for the fire mark. Alan, again, thank you for joining us. It's always a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for listening, by the way. Yes. Thanks, everyone, to listening. We will be back um, in about a week or two. We're going to do another show. I believe our next show is going to be, again, live from Bank of America Stadium. God willing, we're going to have Blue Dog Ben back on for a little left-wing, right-wing conversation and uh, debate. So please listen, and that will be coming up soon. And... Once again, thank you for joining us on The Firemark. New York, New York. I want to wake up in a city that doesn't.